Hoot 7 proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Reddish. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Episode 10, we've made it to double figures here, Sean, so let's get cracking because there's plenty to talk about, plenty happening in the world of NBL. I'm your co-host, Chris Pike, but let's get straight to the men that you're all here to listen to. Sean Redditch, thanks for being with us once again. Thanks, Pikey. I can't wait. Episode number 10, let's get cracking. Plenty to talk about. Um, before we get into anything else, I want to look back to last week's show. Your fourth quarter segments, they're, they're becoming a bit of a big talking point. You're hitting on some some interesting topics and your proposal last week, um, if you want to go and hear the, the full fourth quarter segment, head back to last week's show and, and, and go and have a listen. But your b- basic proposal was that given how successful the Next Star program has been for the NBL and given how we want to try to encourage as many of these potential NBA players to come out and play in the NBL before their NBA careers as possible. You proposed a team to be entered into the NBL from next season based out of Canberra, full of next star players. It's a proposal that has a lot of merit. What sort of feedback have you got from it and and, and what do you think of it a week on about, about the idea actually beginning to take off? Well, look, I think there's a lot of things that would have to come into uh, fruition to make it happen. But I think just, just seeing the success of the Next Stars program and where you can take it to a, to another level and, and the interest that a lot of these players are getting now over in high school and now they're starting to consider Australia as a legit option after they're seeing LaMelo Ball rocket up the draft boards with his success over here. So I just think that the NBA is trying to get into that junior development space and uh, I don't think they've always loved the college idea and how much control they have so they could have a little bit more control and, and be able to see guys play in a pro environment and be in a pro environment. They don't have to spend 20, 30 hours doing schoolwork and, and, and they can still go to school. That's fine. But they, you know, these, a lot of these guys are wanting to come and play professional basketball. And so I think that's the best preparation for them. And from an NBL's point of view and exposure point of view, I think it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think the merits of it are, are, are really genuine. I think it strengthens our, our links to the NBA, and suddenly the NBL is now a breeding ground for NBA players. It's a, it's a, it would be it would leapfrog, I would think, um, the NCAA in a lot of ways because the NBA has has more control. I don't think, like you said, the NBA doesn't get along with the NCAA that that well, and I think they'd love to be able to break ties from that if they could if they could end up with you know say ten of the top fifteen draft picks for for breed season that end up coming out here to play in the NBL. They play on the same team. I think playing on the same team would actually be a massive bonus because they actually they would you would have a coach who is an NBA based coach who who has them playing a style that's suited to NBA basketball. So they're they're getting ready to play in the NBA. So I think they're training together, they'd be playing together, all getting ready for the NBA. So everything they're doing is getting them ready for the NBA to have it. Everybody on a team that it, that it has the same goal. I think that has that has a lot of merits to it. I think that's one of the could be one of the big selling points. Well, and it goes into the previous fourth quarter segment that I talked about, 48-minute games as well. So now the all-ten guys are getting quality minutes. And the other thing we didn't even talk about on that is, 
Now the other imports, you know, if they're trying to decide, do I come to Australia? Do I go to Spain? Do I go to Greece? Well, if NBA scouts are going to be here every single week watching mm-hmm. the Australian League, those guys, you might actually get even better imports. might accept a little bit less money knowing that they're going to get a little bit more exposure to possibly getting back into the NBA. And let's be honest, most of the guys who play professionally, that that's their ultimate goal. They want to play NBA. That's a, it's a, you know, it's not going to happen for everyone. But uh, when you're growing up and, and most of these imports are, are from the United States, that's where, where you ultimate success and that's I guess that's your ultimate goal as well so it's uh it brings a little bit more exposure to those guys and and we could get even better imports potentially as well so there's a a lot of positives to to look at it there are a couple of things that people brought up against the idea one of them was would 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 they generate a fan base I think that's why you pick Canberra because they don't have an NBL club right now they haven't had one for for 20 20 years but when they did they were they were a very well supported team so maybe Canberra is a is a place that's craving getting behind in an NBL club again, and all of a sudden, there's no doubt they're going to be exciting. I mean, have a look at the people turning out to watch Lomelo Ball and RJ Hampton right now. So there's every chance that they'd be a very popular team. So I think people might turn out to watch them play. So I don't know if the lack of a fan base is necessarily a a strong negative against it. I guess the only other thing is, would they be playing to win, and and how competitive would they be? I guess that's the the only other thing, and and how mindful would the NBL need to be of be of that of that point. Yeah, it is It is a fine line. Obviously, you want to give yourself a best chance. But I kind of look at it like how the AIS, now the Center of Excellence, went in the Siebel. Most years, they were competitive. But then there was this, some years where they maybe had an Andrew Bogut where they actually, I think they won the league that year. So you're going to get Tom's, uh, and it's probably not going to happen very often. But it's more about exposure and that. And, and, and even in the proposal that I had, um, it was more those guys actually played more road games than than home games. So it was, you know, when they came to town, they would come to Perth twice a year. They'd go to Cairns twice a year. Maybe they only play against Cairns at home once a year. Um, so they have less home games, but they get to uh, they get to, you know, travel the, the country and they're playing more road games and almost a little bit like Globetrotters where they're, they're bringing the fans out and it's a, it's a show. And if they win, it's a it's a byproduct. But I think you know, I think they're going to be competitive. If you're getting yeah. you know the top 15, 20 players out of high school, and they may even come out not even just for one year. They may come out for two years. They may mm-hmm. not feel like they're ready uh, after their first year and want to stay here another year. They've pocketed some good change, had a great experience, got been in a pro pro league, and been able to work on their game nonstop for two years straight. I think they're going to be better off than if they they went to a, a college system. That's my personal belief. Yeah, we could uh, still have we could still have people like Didi Lozada who get drafted, but their NBL club wants them to keep developing, so they still come out here and spend another season. We could still have, the, the team could still have players like that too. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of positives to to look at it. Oh, I think it's a, a fascinating idea. Interested to hear more feedback as well from our listeners. So get in touch with us at our Facebook page, Basketball Hustle, uh, at Twitter at, at B-Ball Hustle Pod, or indeed on Instagram at, at Hustle Basketball. And let us know your thoughts because I think it's a it's an idea that has some merit and I think it's certainly worth, worth at least discussing to see if it's a possibility of making it happen. But Sean, let's keep moving because there's plenty... Plenty to talk about happening in the NBL right now as well. We're nine rounds into the season. Most teams have played almost half of their games now, so we're getting a fair idea of where 
everybody's starting to sit. I'll quickly run through the results of last 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 weekend, and then we'll we'll touch on some 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 of the some of the talking points. So we got underway. Friday night, and the Cairns Taipans, they're finding some form now. They beat Melbourne United for the second time this season, 93-86. to 86. Then we, we saw the New Zealand Breakers get back to winning. They beat the Illawarra Hawks, 91-79. to 79. South East Melbourne Phoenix got their first ever win outside of Melbourne. They beat the Brisbane Bullets, 110-95. to 95. Sydney Kings, too good for Melbourne United. The scoreline probably flattered Melbourne in the end, 111 to 101. And then the Adelaide 36 is too good for the Perth Wildcats back in Perth as well, 99 to 88. And again, that scoreline probably flooded Perth a little bit as well. So plenty plenty of talking points there, Sean, to, for us to get stuck into. My first one, are you concerned about the Perth Wildcats right now? Yeah, look, two home losses at this stage with the Wildcats. And to me, the concern would be how they're losing. It's not like... Last year they lost two at home, but it was one point and two points. Mm. Whereas this year they lost by plus 20 against Cairns, and then Adelaide had them by 27 at one stage before the the young guys came on and and inspired them to uh, get back to a closer game. So to be able to lose two games with with larger margins, uh, especially at home, I think uh, is is not a great sign at, at this stage. But in saying that, they're still in second place. And they they coming off a, a tough road trip. So I think I feel like that they uh, you know they got home. They thought being at home would kind of take care of a few things and, and overcome maybe not being as sharp. And obviously Adelaide 36ers had other ideas and came out and played fantastic. So the Wildcats, I think their margin of error is a little bit lighter this year or smaller, I should say. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to be on their game, especially defensively. There's been games where they, ha- they haven't been themselves defensively against Sydney earlier in the year, obviously Kansas and Adelaide at home. So, and then that fourth quarter against Kansas as well. So yeah, they're going to have to uh, find a way to improve. And I think defensively is where they're going to have to, to get better. A couple of teams outside of the top four that are now starting to build some momentum. The Adelaide 36ers, they looked really good in that win in Perth. They've improved to 6-6. Six and six. They've won a couple in a row. And the Cairns Taipans, I think they're playing almost the most exciting basketball in the whole league right now. They, When they're up and going with with Cam Oliver and Scotty Machado as their, their big man, little gut, little man combination, you got you got Majuk Deng playing career-best basketball court. Noise exciting. They're playing exciting basketball. I know they're only 5-7, and seven, but they won three of their last four. Do you think either of those teams can seriously push for a, for a top four spot by the end of the season? Oh, I think both of them have the opportunity, and uh, and I would probably put Adelaide more in that boat than Cairns. I think Cairns is going to be a little bit up and down at Tom's, but obviously they're they're playing much better as of late. But I would think Adelaide and, and Southeast Melbourne Phoenix will will battle it out for that four spot, and possibly Brisbane in there, especially if Brisbane makes a change, which uh, they, they could do, and I could see them doing over the next couple of weeks, especially a, a loss at home to Southeast Melbourne Phoenix um, could push that along sooner rather than later. Now, if I asked you this last week, I think you would have said I was I was stupid, but all of a sudden Melbourne United lost two games last weekend, firstly in Cairns and then in Sydney, so suddenly they're back to seven and six. Southeast Melbourne, they finally won on the road. They're six and five. Which of the Melbourne teams do you think is better right now? Yeah, well, I think one you've got to you've got to put that in perspective with with Melbourne. They'd won six in a row. Mm-hmm. Tough game up in Cairns. I think Cairns played played really well. They were probably a little bit off, and then going up against Sydney, you can't really take. You know, I think you expected them to to lose that one, but I think long term Melbourne is the better team. But 
Uh, and to me, it, you still got to see how Southeast Melbourne Phoenix going to go once they go on the road. So they got they got the win in Brisbane, which mm-hmm. was a great result for them. But I still got to they got to get a few more road wins to uh, to really convince me that they're going to be you know crack that top three, especially. Now the Illawarra Hawks, you would think that their playoff playoff chances are well and truly gone, but Lamella Ball continues to be exciting. Another triple double last weekend over in New Zealand. Now, they finally signed a replacement for Aaron Brooks. It probably took a lot longer than we expected, and maybe that was because they were hoping on hoping on Xavier Cooks, and that, and that fell through when he went to the Sydney Kings. But they signed Darrington Hobson, somebody that I think they're hoping can take a little bit of the ball-handling pressure off Lamelo Ball. But um, is it a good thing to bring in an import for them at this point, given... Given, I think, the biggest problem for them this season is that Daniel Greeter and Emmett Nah have probably gone backwards just because they haven't been able to get, get much court time. Yeah, they needed to make it. I'm surprised this long, Yeah. Uh, to be honest. You know, I thought when Aaron Brooks goes down, and it's not like you were wondering if he was going to be able to come back in a few weeks, did his Achilles. He's yeah. gone for the season, possibly yeah. last game he was going to play in his career. So you've got to go and make that change straight away. And, and obviously we talked about last Xavier Cooks probably was on there. Or could they get him? And I'm sure there's a lot of things. I'm sure they were talking to a lot of different guys and nothing came to fruition. Now, Sean, before we continue, let's just take a second to thank our major sponsors here on Basketball Hustle, Hoops Heaven. They've been an incredible support to us since the start of the of the podcast. We can't thank Jason and his team enough, but what we desperately need now is for our listeners to show the same support back to Hoops Heaven. Head on to hoopsheaven.com.au, check out all of the basketball merchandise, basketball gear, basketball products you can ever imagine. Head to checkout. Use our special code that's here for the, just our listeners, Hustle. When you get to the checkout, you'll get a very special discount. It's just in time for Christmas, whether it's for yourself, whether it's for a loved one. Go and check out hoopsheaven.com.au. Stock up on all of the basketball gear that you can imagine, everything from the NBL to the NBA, everything from current to the past to the future, all of the shoes you can hope for. If you're in Perth, you can check them out in person on Murray Street, but make sure you get along and support them either way. Hoop7.com.au. Support the sponsors that are supporting us. So, Sean, after after nine rounds now of the league, we've got the Sydney Kings clear out on top. They're 11-1. and one. They're, th- they're three wins clear of the Wildcats, who are still... Eight and five. So we spoke about the troubles the Wildcats are having, but they're still in second spot and they're still two games clear. So that's a good position to be in. We've then got Southeast Melbourne six and five, Melbourne United seven and six that round out the top four. Adelaide not far behind six and six, Cairns are five and seven, Brisbane are five and seven. Then I think you can write off the bottom two, New Zealand three and eight, Illawarra three and nine. Um, does anything surprise you about the way the teams are stacked up as we near the, the halfway point of the season? Yeah, I guess just. I mean, obviously, there's only one real clear runaway dominant team in, in the Sydney Kings. I guess you would have thought Melbourne United and the Perth Wildcats might be a little bit closer. To me, that's the most surprising is uh, is how well the Kings and, and how dominant they have been through the first part of the season. So it, it, not very often do you get a team so far ahead this early in the year. So uh, credit to the Kings and the, and the way they're playing and, and the Wildcats United, Phoenix, Brisbane, they're going to have to, uh, I think, really up their game to be able to compete with, with the Sydney Kings uh, towards the end of the year. 
Okay, back here on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, and I'm joined by a very special guest this week, somebody that I've enjoyed following his whole 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 NBL career, and he's always been very good to me with his time. I've always enjoyed writing about him for the clubs that he's played for and, and for the, the NBL website, and now it's a pleasure to have a chat to him for, for the podcast. So, Matty Hodgson, thanks very much for joining me. Yeah, Chris, much appreciated. Thanks for having me on. Now, how's life treating you up up in Brisbane at the moment? Um, it's a it's a hell of a hell of an even NBL season right now, and you're you're two games outside of the top four, but you're only three games out of second spot right now. You have played some good basketball this season. You've had some losses that you probably weren't expecting. How do you sum up the first nine rounds of of the season for the Bullets so far? Yeah, I mean, obviously. Um you'd say disappointing, right? No one wants to be in the position to get sort of two games under 500 at this stage. And, and like you said, it's even, so it's not something, it's not panic stations at this stage. Um, it's still been enjoyable to be around and, and don't get it wrong. So it's, it's a hell of an environment and everything like that. Um, yeah, just like you said, there's been a couple of, a couple of losses we've had where it's just sort of been, bit head scratching and um so that's probably the biggest focus for us is to try and smooth that out so we're just at least playing a consistent style of basketball in the second half of the season and where whatever happens out there with the cards that get forward they may and we'll see we'll see how it ends up but um they've got a good chance of going well for us considering that it's just i mean everyone's beating outside of sydney everyone's beating everyone so um yeah, definitely, definitely nothing to sort of panic about this stage, but definitely a lot of things to address as well. Playing out of a new arena this season as well, the at the new Nepal Centre there, Nissan Arena. Um, looks like it's a, a great venue. It's a state of the art venue. Um, the the crowd seems to be getting getting into it and enjoying it. That are, are turning up to watch. How how are you as players finding finding the new stadium? Well, I, I personally I love mm. it. Like I, I hated the convention centre <laughs> last year. Um, I mean, uh, there was two things, I guess, with that. It's like, obviously, as, as a concert hall, I feel like the acoustics were set up for concerts, yeah, right? Sure. So, and that's to, I mean, there's already a, a whole bunch of noise coming from concerts and fans as it is. So they're sort of set up to absorb uh, excess mm-hmm. noise where obviously in sporting environments, you want as much noise as possible. And too, with the the chairs up there being so comfortable, yeah. I feel like people <laughs> just got in there, sort of lounge back, watch a game, threw a couple of claps here yeah. and there, and then and then left. So um, moving into this has been has been unreal. It's been an awesome environment. The people have definitely gotten behind it and come out in droves and uh, been creating a very good, really good atmosphere for us to play in front of. It's super loud and super into it. Because um, I guess smaller, I'd say we probably have the, the smaller uh, one of the small gyms in the in the competition, I do feel there's a bit more intimate um, relationship with the with the fans, and they sort of get to know us a bit more. So it makes it a really cool environment to play in front of. I, I might be wrong, but it looks like the Bullets as an organisation is now starting to find its feet in in Brisbane as well. Maybe it's this new venue, but I feel like. The job that the club's now doing with their branding, it looks like they're trying to create a real identity and it looks like they're connecting with with the city of Brisbane a little bit more maybe than when you first first arrived at the club. Have you noticed that over the last, last two years that that side of things have, have sort of been on the improve? Absolutely. I mean, I think they did the right thing by appointing um, Richard Clark yeah. as the general manager to start with, obviously with what he did um, with New Zealand and, and in terms of dynasty that they were. Um, I think that was obviously, I mean, I was on the outside looking in at that mm. stage, but when they did hire him there, I thought that was a, 
um, that was a hell of a, a hell of a signing for them and uh, and for us too. And uh, yeah, definitely, I think like each each year that's been going on, it's just been getting more and more professional. I think they've got an identity that they want, and they want us to be a big time sport in Brisbane. Obviously, uh, with the Broncos and with the Lions and with the Raw as well, like there's a whole bunch of good professionals with the Flyers. Like there's a good bunch of um, professional organizations in Brisbane and they want us to be right up there with it. So that's a, a massive credit to the front office staff. Like they've been really putting in for the last, I say, three, four years now to really sort of get it moving in the right direction. I think it's starting to head that way. Your season, how have you been, how have you seen your own game so far this season? To me, it looks like you're playing great basketball when you're on the floor. You look like you're in great shape. You look like you're confident with a lot of areas of your game. You're shooting the ball pretty well. Your post moves are going well. You're rebounding pretty well. You're defending well. I guess the only thing is you just can't quite avoid foul trouble at times. But how have you seen your start to the season so far? No, it's definitely been a good start for me. I feel like it's been uh, really efficient mm. like in, in the minutes I'm playing. I'm out there doing like a, doing a good job of sort of affecting the, the game in multiple areas. And yeah, like you said, some of those minutes were due to just, uh, I mean, I was first eight eight games, I think I found out four of them. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that's, and like you could, you could sit back and say, oh, I was terrible referee, but if it's happening at that rate, then it's obviously a fall on me. So that's something that I've, uh, over the last few games, I definitely got a grasp of. I think I've only had two to three fouls for the, uh, last three games and obviously um, I don't want that to mm. come back and bite me um, but I, I just think it's I've maybe been a bit too aggressive defensively mm-hmm. and trying to stop everything and then it's just sort of being a bit smarter defensively I think that's sort of helped things out but no I definitely um, I mean I definitely think that this is the best basketball that I've been playing in my time as a basketball yeah. player um, and definitely in the NBL Playing alongside Will Magnet as well, how much are you enjoying probably battling against him every day in practice, but then also seeing his development on, on game night? Um, must be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, he's, he's, uh, his improvement's been pretty sort of astronomical yeah. and it's been really stark too. It just sort of came out of nowhere. So that was a... Uh, he did a lot of work this off-season, obviously, and um, Sam McKinnon was coaching for Brisbane mm. Capitals. I know Sam, obviously Sam's his assistant for us as well, but um, did a great job of getting Will confident in himself, and Will did a great job of putting in the work and staying healthy. I think that's probably been the, um, the biggest difference is that he was able to stay healthy for a long enough time to be able to put in um, a good body of work, and I think he's reaping the uh, benefits from it. But no, it's been, I mean, it's great to go against and practice. I mean, obviously going against the a very good, like an elite sort of shot blocker is, is what you want as a big. Um, so get used to it in games, I guess. Yeah. And uh, and just to see what he's doing out there, he's coming in, he's feeling free and he's out there just obviously trying to tear the rim off every time he can and, and block shots. So no, he's uh, he's obviously done a really good job and it's been, a, uh, it's been a privilege to watch. In terms of Andre, it's obviously been a big couple of weeks for him. Um, you're obviously really close to him and he was a big reason why you came and signed signed with the Bullets and it's the same with Nathan Sobey, the same with Cam Glidden, the same with Jason Kadee, even the same with Mika Vakona and, and Ruben Tarangi. There's a lot of reasons why people want to come and play for the Bullets and that's to play under such, such a good coach. Um, with everything he's been through in the last three or four weeks do you as players go to him and and sort of reaffirm how much faith you have in him or do you try to try to just leave that and just focus on the job at hand of the bullets or how have you sort of handled handled what's happened with him in the last couple of weeks as a as a playing group well just there by sort of obviously talking he met with us um just before he was about to have his press conference and tell us about what was going Mm -hmm. on um for us we see i guess as a good thing he's able to I mean, selfishly, he gets to just to focus on on us for the for the time yeah. now moving forward. And um, he didn't really seem um, incredibly distressed about the whole process. So it's not something that we felt like we had to go sort of pick him up. 
um, it was a decision that he was at peace with. And he, I mean, credit to him as always, like with, with Dre, he always comes and, and tells you things. I mean, I don't feel like he needed to even tell us that because he, him as a boomers coach has no real, um, I guess, playing him being a Bullets sure. coach, right? Like it doesn't affect us in any sort of way. And it's really for him. But um, just the fact that he can meet, meet with us and tell us about it before he announced to everyone. So as a sort of, sort of guy he is. Um, but yeah, I mean, guys, I mean, over the past, it hasn't even been over three, three, four weeks. It's just over the past guys have, you know, everyone has come there has told him that that's the reason we, a lot of the big reason why we wanted to come over there was to play mm-hmm. for him. I mean, I was, I always said that to him last year when we were talking about resign. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, if you, if you resign as a coach, then I'll, I'll be back, you know? So that's um, the sort of relationship he has with guys like us. But no, it wasn't in terms of, I guess, with the boomer stuff, it wasn't something mm-hmm. we felt like we needed to pick him up yeah. for. He um, was that piece. And he looked like he was just excited just to be coaching us for the and with a singular focus. And every player that's ever played for him just has a great love for him. And I think it's because of the faith and trust that he has in his players. And, and you can see it now. There's there's outside noise talking about, you know, the imports and, and whatever, but the faith that Andre has in the playing group, and that's the reason he signed signed this squad together is because he thought it was the right group. And and I don't think anything's going to change the faith that he has in everybody. And as players, it must be, must be a great feeling to know that the coach just has your back no matter what. Well, definitely. And I think that's why guys have come here and played really well too, yeah. you know, and guys have gone under and always played well. You know, he's taken on guys all throughout his coaching career. He's taken on guys that other people, other coaches or whatever even think were as good. And he's managed to get the absolute most of it, most out of them. And I think that's a sign of a really good coach. Um, I mean, for me personally, like I've always played my best basketball under Dre and um, it's just because of the confidence that he he's always given me and he's shown it me. He's always had so much faith in me. So, um, yeah, I guess you, when you're out there, you owe it to him to play to your best because he always has that expectation of you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I can't. I mean, I can't speak highly enough for Dre. He's yeah, been a been a definitely like an invigorating sort of uh, coach to play for, and definitely helped me that, that spark. Um, get back yeah. my love for the game. You know. Now, just from speaking to you over the years, you've got an inspirational story where you've now played 130 NBA games, but there was every chance you would never get to play any just how bad your injuries injury was and that knee injury had, had, had seriously threatened to to sort of stop you ever having a professional basketball career and you were almost at a point where you you had accepted that that was the case before you ended up in, in Adelaide and, and everything's taken off off from there. Now that you're out of position now where you look healthy, you look happy and as you've said, you're playing the best basketball of your NBL career, um, do you, do you just feel like you're in a great place right now and, and feel feel pretty happy that you were able to stick with it when I feel like people of, of less less strong character and probably less mental mental strength might have might have given up if they went through with the things that you had gone through? Oh, well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it is. I do catch myself like it's it, – I mean, it sounds real, not corny, I guess, but like it's, it's beautiful up here in Queensland. And there's a lot of beautiful afternoons. I find myself sitting outside my wife um, a lot of times. And yeah, I do I do sort of draw back on that. Um, but what it does, it's not so much – it's that I do – you know, I'm proud of myself that I stuck through. But uh, it's more appreciative of the people that helped me along that journey, you know, mm. with Chris Anstey helping me there, Bruce Gray. I mean, Joey Wright gave me the first opportunity too. And, um, you know, you, you get – you appreciate people like that that, that were there um, you know I still talk to Brucey I still talk to Chris I still talk to all the people that were there Peter Gibbs was there during that whole time um, and it's it's a thing of uh, it's a point of humility for me too so if I start worrying about 
you know, certain things or start getting stressed about anything, I sort of can use that experience to draw back on and realize that sort of what I'm going through at this stage of my career is pales in comparison to what I, what I did have to go to at the start of it. So um, I do draw a bit of pride from that and I'm happy that I'm just glad that stuff through it. It's the appreciation of others. Uh, and it's a humility to know that it can always go back to that point. I can always go back to the point where the game's taken away from me. So it's to enjoy um, every moment they have with it because I don't know how long it's going to last. Now, you mentioned mentioned your wife just before. How's, how's life as a married man treating you? Been awesome. <laughs> no, I've been absolutely loving it. So I got married in the, uh, just before the preseason yeah. started. Oh, I guess a month or so before the preseason started. And it's been really cool. Um, just the, I'd say like the, uh, the deepening of the relationship, the deepening of the commitment to each other. Um, it feels like we're like a, I mean, it's always felt like that before, but I guess with the, with the whole process and everything, it feels like there's a true partnership mm-hmm. there and true, um, every decision we make for the betterment of our, I guess, little quote unquote team, yeah. you know? So that's, that's been really cool to be a part of. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't know how long would the honeymoon phase last or whatever, but I'm looking forward to seeing what other phases of the marriage go through. So um, it's a life journey, and I'm really happy to be under part with it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you met you met in college, and then she's been through this whole journey with you to to come to Melbourne and go through those horrible horrible times, you know, with you where you thought your basketball career might have ended, and then you know over to Adelaide, and then I remember talking to you about how big of a move it was, packing everything up in a hurry to, to head over to Brisbane. But like you said. Um, She's been there through a lot with you, and for it to even get for the relationship to now even feel like it's strengthened now that you've got married, that must be a, a pretty special thing. Well, it is. She, yeah, she actually wasn't with me in Melbourne, so okay. I, I did that whole. That probably made that yeah. year even tougher too. So, but um, yeah, no, and, she, and we obviously stuck to that. We did. We've done long distance a fair amount in our in our mm. relationship, and no, that's right. We've always had a, a strong relationship, and um, you know, I'm so grateful for her, and. and um, the fact that it's continued to get stronger and deeper is definitely definitely something that I've been really enjoying. Does Brisbane feel like home for you now, or when when you finish your basketball career, is that when you will decide where home is, or where does home feel like? I, I, yeah, I mean, I would like to be in Brisbane mm-hmm. um, now. Whether I'm playing for the Bullets or not is a you know fact is out of sure. my control for a lot of it. Um, but I do think once my basketball career is done, uh, I do think. I mean, I personally want to move. Um, and stay here in Brisbane. Now, whether now what Cash wants to do is another mm. thing too. So that's something for us to talk about. So that and that's going to be the uh, the big decision at the end of my career too. Is that we stay here? Do we go to the states to be close to her family? So um, one of us is going to miss out, unfortunately. <laughs> so that's obviously something that we're going to have to talk about um, at length mm. when my career is done. But she does. She loves it here yep. as well. I, I love Brisbane. Um, being away from it for so long and just coming back here. Obviously, the weather, the lifestyle. It's, you know, I absolutely love it here, but. After if I have to live somewhere else, and that's that's just how it is, mate. There's no there's no stress, you know. <laughs> um, absolutely. Now we could keep talking about it all of this all day, but I do need to, to let you keep moving. Just finally, um, looking ahead to this weekend, how big is this for 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 the club in the context of the season? I know that Illawarra and New Zealand, the two teams that you play, are at the bottom of the ladder, but they're dangerous teams. You can't take them lightly. But how big is it for you to just start getting back to playing playing some of some of your best basketball again? Yeah, I mean, it's massive. And like you said, like Illawarra and New Zealand, regardless of where they are in the position, they they play good yeah. basketball, you know. Illawarra's been playing way better basketball than the last time we saw them too. So these are massively dangerous games for us. And uh, it's, it's going to be big for us because we need to establish ourselves with a consistent identity 
I mean, a consistent focus that goes for 40 minutes. So that's probably where we need to, the biggest part for us for these next two games is we want to play as a unit, I guess, for 40 minutes, as close to 40 minutes as possible, not play amazing for 20 and then coming out in the third quarter and then be awful for 10. And then we're chasing ourselves, you know, so chasing our tails, sorry. So, um, just in terms of our general mindset, I think that's going to be the biggest part for these next two weeks is just establishing consistency. Absolutely. Now, now, Matt, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you again. It's always great to talk to you. And like I said, I could keep talking, but we'll have to have you on the show again so we can expand on some of these things a bit more. But but for now, I'll, I'll let you keep moving. And thanks very much for joining us here on, on Hoop 7 Spice Wall Hustle. Yeah, appreciate it, Chris. I'd love to be on again, mate. So, uh, yeah, whenever you give me a call, mate, I'm always happy to chat. Yeah. Today's fourth quarter segment is brought to you by Devlin's and Subiaco. And the topic today I wanted to discuss was brought up by Andrew Bogut earlier in the season. And is that his theory is he would like to see players' salaries made known to, to the public. And to me, I think it's a pretty good idea and has a lot of merit. One, you bring transparency to the whole situation. You know, there's a lot of talk about uh, Melbourne United, Perth Wildcats, Sydney Kings are spending all this money. Are they really? We don't really know the exact salary amounts. You know, Andrew Broga has come out recently and just said that the Sydney Kings are just over the salary cap. So they're not as much as, as many people would think they are or has been reported out there in the in the media. So to me, I think it brings a bit of transparency. And you can say, all right, Illawarra's budget is this, Kansas' budget is that, Wildcats' budget is this, and Sydney Kings are that. And you uh, and then you try and can match up their records with the salary and did their GMs do a good job putting the talent together. And the other thing to me, I think it gives a lot more power to the players as well. You know, I think when you go as a player, you go into negotiations, you don't really know how much the teams have left in the salary cap. You don't know what your other guys in your same position who might be all NBL or, you know, six man, what they're earning at at other teams as well. So I think it just gives a little bit more power away from, say, the teams and the GMs. It gives a little bit more to the players. And to me as well, it would be the only Australian league to do it. And I think it would just bring the fans a little bit more engagement with the fans. They can see, obviously, in the United States, this is commonplace. The NBA, all the professional leagues do that. And, uh, uh, and I think it would be hard as the players initially. I think there was a bit a little, bit of apprehension from the players. But I, to me, I think long term, and if you talk to a lot of the player associations, I think they're leaning towards that as well. It just gives a little bit more transparency. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I'm in favor of it. I know there would be some players that would be apprehensive. There would be some, a lot of clubs and GMs that might not like that idea. But I think it, it gives a little bit more power to the players and also brings the fans in for a little bit bit more engagement in discussion is is player x worth this or is is player b worth that let's compare them how are they performing this year i think it just brings a little bit more engagement in that regards as well so i'd love to see it will it happen will remains to be seen but uh let us know what your thoughts are on social media hit us up and we'll uh, we'll do our best to to respond and let, let's see what the uh response is to the fourth quarter segment this week Okay, Sean, let's move into round 10 in the NBL this weekend. It's a massive round. It starts Friday night, goes right through until Monday night. Plenty of games for us to, to look forward to. Fascinating to get your opinion on, on each of them. Let's start Friday night. 
it's a double header. Starts in Cairns with the Taipans hosting the New Zealand Breakers. Um, big game for Cairns. If they can continue to build some momentum, they're closing in on a top four spot. But even though the Breakers, I don't think they'll have Corey Webster or Scotty Hobson. They're still still a dangerous team. Yeah, well, and they beat Illawarra without those guys last week, so it's a good result for them. But on a consistent basis, I don't see them being able to win on the road, especially without their two best players in Webster and Hobson. So I think Kansas will be uh, get that win, and that'll be a huge win for Kansas as well. Get them right back into the thick of things, and uh, and and potentially getting back into that top four contention. So you know, I think that Kansas really got to be saying that this is the game we've got to get and not let this one slip away and make sure they get themselves the best chance to get into that top four. Then second up on Friday night, the top two teams, Perth Wildcats and the Sydney Kings. Kevin Lynch back for the Kings. Um, it's a massive, massive inclusion to a team that's already on fire. Um, big test for the Wildcats. They need to show something after after a really disappointing game on Sunday. Yeah, it is. It's a top-of-the-table class where you kind of feel like Sydney Kings are well and clearly ahead of the second place Perth Wildcats at this stage. And uh, after the fourth quarter in Cairns and then the loss at home, I actually think the Wildcats will get this one. And and you've got to throw Kevin Lish coming back in. You're going to try and get Xavier Cook some minutes. And you got a few pieces that you're going to try and work back in. I think it could make it tough. And, uh, you know, the Red Army will be happy with me that I'm uh, choosing the Wildcats (laughs) in this one. But I just think I know – those guys and how well they bounce back from losses and especially uh, probably a one and a half loss uh, after losing to Cairns in that fourth quarter as well. So they'll be ready to go and, and I think Trev will have the, the team uh, firing, especially on the defensive end. And first up on Saturday, big game as well. Um, these two teams always fire up against one another. Melbourne United with Chris Golding playing his 300th NBL game. They're hosting the Adelaide 36ers. Yeah, it seems like a, a lot of fireworks usually happens when these two teams mix it up. And and Chris Golding, you know, credit to him. I remember a development player over here a long time ago, and, and now he's playing his 300th game. So he's made himself a heck of a player. He's a fun player to watch. And the way, and I just feel like a guy like that, he lives in that moment. When when the spotlight is on him, he's going to come to play. And I think uh, Melbourne United get back on the winner's circle. Okay, Sean. Then on later on Saturday night, the Brisbane Bullets host the Illawarra Hawks. Uh, a fascinating game. Um, the Hawks not having Lamelo Ball now. It's, it's, he's got a sore foot. And it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out in terms of his future. But for Saturday night, at least, does this turn that game well and truly in the favour of the Bullets? Well, I think you take out a guy who just had two straight triple doubles. And it definitely changes uh, into the Brisbane Bullets' fortunes there. And you got to expect they're desperate for a win to be able to get the win on that one. And I'll be interested to see the, the new players and the young players for Illawarra. Can they step up and, uh, I guess, cover for the, the loss of ball in that one as well? Then on Sunday, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, they're back home to Melbourne again, yet another home game. They're playing a Wildcats team that will be coming off that game against Sydney on Friday night. Um, a lot of it might have to do with how the Wildcats end up performing on, on Friday and how banged they, up they are. But what are you expecting in this one? Well, I expect, you know, we predicted that the Wildcats are going to win on Friday night. But mm. I think it's tough to, to back that up playing against a team that's fresh, playing at home. And Southeast Melbourne Phoenix are talented. And they're getting Ty Wesley back, who I think yep. might almost be their most important player. So I think Southeast Melbourne Phoenix will get that win. 
And, uh, you know, especially if the, the Wildcats have a, a big win against Sydney, might just kind of drop their guard a little bit, feeling good about themselves. But I think getting Ty Wesley back is going to be huge for the Phoenix. And speaking of the Kings, they also back up from that game in Perth on Friday. They head back home to host the Taipans. Cairns would have played on Friday as well, but the travel is certainly in the favour of the Taipans, even though they're, they're the away team. The Taipans, they... They don't hold any fears. They like they certainly enjoy playing these top teams. They're they're I think they're four and one against the top three teams right now so far this season. Any chance of an upset on Sunday? Well, you got to you know if there's going to be a game that Sydney lose, it could be this one. Mm. Uh, you know they've uh, it, it, when Cairns gets to Sydney probably before even Sydney might even get back from Perth, so they'll yeah, be waiting yeah. there. They'll be fresh, ready to go. But I think uh, I think you've got to take the the latter leaders in Sydney at home. But you know I wouldn't be surprised if Kent does uh, pull an upset off in that one. But I'm picking Sydney. Then last up Monday night, New Zealand Breakers head back home, and they host the Brisbane Bullets. This is a this is a big game as well because the Bullets, if they they're playing the bottom two teams this weekend, if they get two wins, they're right back in the playoff hunt. But if they have a slip up, then the playoffs are starting to to look unlikely for them. Well, and I thought I saw something where Glenn Rice Jr. might be playing this weekend. I wasn't sure that he was still with the club, but apparently he is. Scotty Hobson and Corey Webster are questionable as well. So it's uh, there's a lot of interesting uh, storylines going into that one. Who's going to play? Who won't? Who will be healthy? Where the New Zealand Breakers go from here? Uh, you, you just got to think that the New Zealand Breakers playing at home should help, but uh, you know, I I just think that uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, I think Brisbane are desperate, though. I'm going to go with Brisbane just because I don't know who's going to be playing for the New Zealand Breakers. Now, I'm glad you brought up Glenn Rice Jr. because it's late-breaking news just as we're recording this week's show that he's going to be playing in Cairns on Friday night, which is which is remarkable in, in, its, in its own right. And you'd assume that he'll then play on Monday night as well. I, like you, imagine that his indefinite suspension would be lasting forever i didn't expect to see him again um he's been in rehab the last two weeks and obviously that's worked well um he's been given the all clear by basketball australia's integrity department to play whatever whatever that means um how surprised are you that he's going to be playing again in the nbl i'm extremely surprised i just you know the new zealand breakers surprise me every week mm. they <laughs> signed a guy like this then he goes and and uh you know, gets in trouble within a couple weeks, and and now you're so desperate to get wins that you're going to play. I just think that they're sacrificing their uh, their culture for for wins and uh, some short term gain. And and you know, to me, that doesn't signify long term success. Yep. But yep. we're not the ones in charge, so mm-hmm. it'll be I'll, I'll be interesting to see how Glenn Rice Jr. plays. And you said rehab, so he's been in rehab. Has he been training? What what no type idea, of shape no is he going to be in? So. There's a, it's a uh, interesting storyline heading into that one as well. Now, very quickly before we we sign off for another week, the Wildcats have announced a a bit of a competition to decide the Wildcat of the decade. Obviously, that includes you because you had you won four championships in this past past decade. Now they've they've named eight players as part of this, and they're going to do match up the eight players against each other in the first round. Very quickly, I wanted to match to let you know what the matchups are and get your tips in the first round, and we'll follow it as it goes along over the next few weeks. First up is Damian Martin and Jesse Wagstaff. 
Yeah, well, that's a, uh, you know, two winners right there, five-time champions, both of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's probably going to be hard to uh, pass up Damian Martin there, the six-time NBL Defensive Player of the Year in, in the heart and soul of the Wildcats and the leader. So I think you got to go with Damian Martin, probably a tough matchup for Jesse Wagstaff. Um, he's been so consistent, mm-hmm. but I think it's hard to pass up the Olympian and Damian Martin. James Ennis and Casey Prather. Well, that's a that's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Casey Prather played for the Wildcats a lot longer than James Ennis, but I think James Ennis his his impact on the club and the league was something I haven't seen in, in my time uh, here in the NBL, and and really was a game changer the way he was able to come here play get a look at the NBA and then he's done so successfully over there. So he, to me, he was, he was a, a, you know, once in a a generation type of a player to come over here and, and, uh, you know, rightfully so, I think he gets into the second round in that one. I'll answer this one for you. I'm going to vote for you over Kevin Lish. Any, any disagreements? Uh, I think you probably, you know, Kevin Lish is a great player, but during the decade, what he, he probably only played a couple of seasons there. He played um, career this decade. He started 2010. Yeah, so uh, so four seasons. I would have. I think four seasons. Yeah, that's a uh, you know Kevin Lish was Grand Final MVP, League MVP, put up some impressive stats. And uh, <laughs> look, I'll I'll leave <laughs> my vote for that one because yeah. uh, I don't I don't want the bias of that. But yeah, I love Kevin Lish as a player and as a teammate. Yeah, we're hoping to have you on the show in the in the next week or two as well. So keep keep your ears out for that. But I'm going to vote for you. Um, last one, Bryce Cotton and Jermaine Beal. And two guards right there matching up. Yeah, I think it's tough to go past Bryce Cotton. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jermaine mm-hmm. Beal had some big games, some big season. Was a big part of that that 2014 team, who I think was probably the most talented team, along with James Ennis, that I've seen here at the Wildcats in, in my time. So. Uh, but Bryce Cotton is just at a whole other level. I think uh, him and James Ennis are the two best players I've ever played with, so I've got to go with Bryce Cotton. Now, to me, there's one standout omission from that top eight. Is there somebody that stands out that perhaps deserves to be in that in that top eight that's not there? Oh, I think you could probably throw in Matty Knight as well. Yeah. I mean, he was all in the NBL for a number of seasons, really was kind of that glue guy. He, he, you know, he could play the five, he could play the four, and was just did so many little things that helped you win. So, uh, you know, he's probably the, the big omission from mm-hmm. there. What about yourself? Yeah, Matty was the one that stood out to me. We spoke to him on the show a couple of weeks ago, three-time championship winner, two or three-time All-NBL team while with the Wildcats. I think he was the standout power forward in the competition during during that time. So very surprised. But in the end, I think it's going to come down to you and Damian Martin anyway, so I don't think it matters. Well, if that's the case, I think you got to go with Damian Martin. You know, <laughs> one, he's played longer, won an extra championship in there. And uh, I think anytime Damian Martin's in a boat, you're, you're going to lose. So Popularity-wise, you might struggle as well, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, oh, credit to, <laughs> to Damian Martin and what he's been able to achieve in his career and just a uh, – just an all-around uh, great guy, but but also the way he plays is yep. is really inspiring to to the rest of his teammates and and the fans as well. So when when he gets on the court, he doesn't have to score points. He can mm-hmm. he can affect the game in so many different ways. If we do stretch it out to Wildcat of the century, maybe you've got him covered there though. So maybe that's what we can do through next year. So let's get that up and running. So you might have him covered over. Well, I don't think anyone's ever going to beat Ricky Grace in Wildcat of the century. 
just this century, so he... he well, we've still got another 80 years, though. Well, if we, if we start with just the last 20 years, maybe. Over the over the last 20 years, I think you're you're number one. Um, and I'm not just saying that because you're here, because as you know, I'm not I'm not prone to sucking up to you. Um, but let's keep moving because it's been a big show already, Sean. We've got a big weekend to look look forward to. You'll be courtside Friday night to watch the Kings and Wildcats go in action. What can you leave our listeners with? Well, I'm looking forward to it, and there's been a bit of a storyline there. The Wildcats have come out and accused the Kings of having four imports and, and all the talent that they have. Now they've got Kevin Lish, Xavier Cooks coming in. And then uh, Andrew Bogut arrived in Perth this week and, and calmly just told the uh, Wildcats that, look, no one signed Sean Bruce, and he's having a uh, career year. And, and Andrew Bogut looked right in the camera and said, Trev, you could have signed – Sean Bruce, so there's a little bit of animosity there going into uh, Friday night's game, so I'm really looking forward to uh, how this all going to play out. Bye, have a great time.